And the idea that like that like sports jujitsu guys aren't going to uh, be able to defend themselves from a punch in a street fight is absolute. What's the word? Malarkey. 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 It's absolute malarkey. Okay. Jujitsu people who only do jujitsu and pull guard and shit, you're gonna throw a punch at that dude in the street, and you know what's gonna happen? He's gonna go. He's gonna clinch you, he's gonna take you down, and then he's gonna roll and double plot to you, and then he's gonna barrel bolo you, and then he's gonna fucking knee bar you. Alright? Don't think that, that jujitsu guys who don't do crazy self-defense and don't practice striking stuff aren't gonna just naturally know how to throw a goddamn punch. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm here with a very special guest. Mr. Jeff Glover. Jeff, welcome to Alaska. Thank you. It's nice here. And um, yeah, tell me, tell me about how the we just had Jeff up for a seminar, and it was fantastic. You went over some of your specialties. I'm really good, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you went over deep half. You went over uh, the importance of shadow wrestling and some other some other ties to athletics and sports um you had a great analogy with boxing can you just yeah. talk about that well that was <clears throat> that was one that i got from pete the greek he actually said that to me one time and i was like man i'm gonna start saying that at my seminars but you know like a good boxing coach um will not hold pads for you unless he's sure that you're good at shadow wrestling and hitting the bag first, right? It's like in jiu-jitsu, people want to roll and they want to get to the rolling part of class um, in such a rush. And I, I'm, I'm saying this because I can relate. I did this as a blue belt. Um, I was in such a rush to get to the rolling part that I would neglect my shadow jiu-jitsu work, my shadow wrestling, my, my stalls, my shots. You know, um, I would neglect um, the ball is my, 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 and so it's like in boxing, there's like four things, right? There's like shadow work, bag work, holding pads, and then actually fighting, right? So what does that look like in jiu-jitsu? It's like shadow wrestling, I just got one bag, you can move around and do movements on a bag, or I, like I said, I use the stability ball. Um, number three is like a coach working with you hands-on and, and walking you through a sequence of attacks and defenses and moves and then um, number four is actual rolling right and if you want to be good at the actual rolling you have to be a master of shadow for one two and three shadow wrestling bag work and um you know working with a coach live so i try to get that across to people because i'm sure that people are doing the mistake that i made as a blue belt and neglecting that part so i, I bring that up as often as i can yeah, um, there are some, sometimes people separate martial arts from athletics. And they're not exactly the same, but athletics is definitely part of martial arts. Uh, Burton Richardson, years ago, he, he talked about, you know, if you kick a bag 500 times, it's just like going to bag, batting practice. You know, at the end of 500 swings, you're going to be better. 500 kicks, you're going to be better. 500 arm locks, you're going to be better. There's, there are ways to really get into drilling and repetitions uh, without needing a partner. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, think, I think 
kind of bringing that up into focus for people gets people away from that fourth stage, which is just yeah. rolling. Yeah, and getting hurt. And you get hurt when you do that too much. Too much rolling without you know the reps, you're gonna get hurt more often than you need to. You're gonna get hurt regardless, right? But if you behave like this, you're gonna like double the frequency in which you get hurt. And um, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. For those that may not be as familiar with you, maybe people are coming from a non-jujitsu background, talk about your training history and, and your, you know, your uh, competition experience. Well, my coach was, you know, a big influence on me, became a father figure to me. And, you know, whatever, whatever that guy did, I was going to do. If, if Frangio was into baking pizzas, I was going to be a pizza baker. If that dude was doing MMA, I would have done MMA. If that dude was doing boxing, I would have done boxing. If he was, um, if he was running a, uh, you know, an underground um, crime scene, crime uh, syndicate, I, w I, w I would be a part of that. But he did jujitsu and jujitsu tournaments on the weekends. So that's what I did. And um, I just wanted to be like him so much. Um, like I've said this so many times, but like with, I knew within a week that I just wanted to be him. So I dedicated myself to jujitsu within the first week. And um, it took me about seven years to get black belt. I got black belt at age 22. I'm 39 today, so I'm a fourth degree black belt. I've been black belt 15 years. And um, yeah, I won a world title, IBJJF world title. I did really well in Abu Dhabi. I did Abu Dhabi five separate times. I was never submitted. Um, I won seven matches and submitted six of them. Um, so I did really well. I took a bronze and I got invited to the Royal Palace with the Sheik twice. He brought me out to Dubai, um, which was awesome. And yeah, I've done all kinds of projects, tournaments and videos and uh, travel videos and uh, what else have I done? Camps and all kinds of all kinds of side projects and yeah, I'm just a jujitsu for life kind of person. I'm a lifer myself, and there's something about doing it for like the sake of accelerating and and getting a claim in a sport versus. Yeah, you really love the art, and um, what what is it? the art has told me? Jujitsu has been very good to me, um, and I try to I try to be good to the art, and uh, just talk about the influence of jujitsu in your life. Yeah, I mean, like jujitsu taught me how to get good at things. I didn't understand that being good at things was something that like progressed. I thought you just tried something and you were either good at it or you weren't. And if you weren't good at it, stop trying. Like that's, that's honestly how naive I was. I was that naive. I didn't understand that like it took months and months and months of, of everyday dedicated, disciplined practice to become good at something. And jujitsu was the first thing in my life that I had ever done this with. Um, and it made me start realizing, like, dude, Jeff, this is how you get good at everything. Um, anything, music, uh, musical instrument, um, talking to people, being social, being uh, financially um, 
being good, being good with your finances, whatever it is, is it takes every day, a few times a day, twice a day discipline for, you know, up to like seven years. It took me seven years to get black belt. And um, people and myself, I wanted to be good at something like right away. So jujitsu taught me how to, how to learn things. It taught me how to talk to people. It taught me how to work and earn money and, and um, be accountable. And it taught me how to like be on time for things. It taught me how to take responsibility for the things I fuck up. You know, like for example, the times when I like double book, like I get irresponsible as hell and I book two seminars on the same date. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that, like that happening and me not just being a punk and being like, well, I'll let them deal with it. It's like, no, Jeff, you messed that up. You fucking fix this or it's going to be your reputation on the line. So sort it out and make everybody happy. Um, those type of things never were in my life before jujitsu. Jujitsu forced me to do those things, right? Because I actually care what people think about me in jujitsu. Yeah. You know, and I've never cared about anything before I found it. I could care less what people thought about me before jujitsu. I want everyone in jiu-jitsu to love me. I know that's crazy. And that's obviously, you know, irrational to, to want everyone to like you. That's not going to happen. But I truly have a part of me that wants that. So, um, yeah, jiu-jitsu's taught me how to learn. It's taught me how to deal with people. It's taught me how to be social. It's taught me how to be fit and nutritious. Jiu-jitsu's given me a reason to care about what I eat. Um, it's given me confidence in my body. I never really had confidence, like feeling like I looked good. Um, so jujitsu makes me feel sexy. Um, you know, it's all my, all my friends are jujitsu friends. It track takes me around the world, dude. I'm in Alaska right now. I was in Florida like two weeks ago. I was in Vegas a couple of days ago. You know what I'm saying? I'm in Goleta and Santa Barbara and San Diego and LA and just everywhere. Boston. I'm always over in Boston. Like I travel so much, you know, and it's just such a, you know, to borrow a word from my religious friends, it's a blessing, you know. So you're a smaller uh, player and the, there's some giants in jiu-jitsu these days. Uh, so talk about advantages and of, of being a smaller player in the jiu-jitsu game. Um, well, advantages, you know, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Um, you want a lot of absolute tournaments coming up as, you know, blue, purple, you, the, your original nickname was, uh, the giant killer. So a lot of people dream about that. They, they, they want to have that ability. You know, and it's not just knowledge. I mean, you've obviously paid the price to develop so many skill sets that integrate well together to become, you know, a formidable jujitsu master that can actually do it. The smaller guy can beat the bigger guy. Um, talk about that process, frustrations, and and maybe some advantages. Well, it, it, it's definitely um, something the big guys don't get to have. They don't, when you're the biggest dude in the room, there's no other big guys for you to conquer. You're only like beating up little guys. It's hard to really feel good about that. As little guys, we have all these big dudes we can pick on, you know, and, and beat them up and feel just like, yeah, I beat up the big dude. Um, so that's wonderful in jujitsu. That's a wonderful thing, man, is, is when you're a little person and, you know, you develop the proper defense and, and countering um, abilities, you can do really well against bigger guys. Um, you just have to believe a lot of people 
will never get past that believe part and they'll get in situations, they'll be in a rolling, rolling with a big dude and they're about to beat him and they'll be like, oh no, can I show you what he's going to win? And then all, it all falls apart. And I was like, dude, you almost beat the big dude and then you let your little weak mind get in the way. So you have to believe. Um, but yeah, you know, jujitsu is, I, I always say like jujitsu is meant for like when people come at you, some people attack you, it's like a self-defense art. Whereas wrestling is very aggressive and it's you going at a person and they're very like night and day, you know, wrestling is, is the daytime fucking aggressive night is like the jujitsu is like the dark night, you know, one, one is day, one is light, one is attack, one is defend. And when you combine them, you can become a complete grappler. Um, so, you know, I, uh, like you said, I've always done really well in open class tournaments. My coach gave me a lot of confidence and instilled a lot of positivity into my mind, a lot of positive, like, phrases, like something I would always tell myself is like, you know, there's nothing this dude is going to do to me that I haven't seen already. And I would just repeat that shit in my head over and over again as I was, like, standing in front of the guy. There's nothing you can do on that side. There's nothing you can do that I haven't seen. There's nothing you can do that I haven't seen. And I don't start thinking, like, oh, I'm a little bitch. I'm weak and I'm little and he's strong and look at his keys, he's nice and he's got patches on his keys. He's sponsored, he's sponsored, he wants to be good. If he's good, he's sponsored, he's good. I'm not even actually be out here. I have no business being out here with this guy. And people start going down that fucking mindset, dude. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You gotta pump the brakes on that negative shit, dude. Believe, believe. We've proven it time and time again. Little dudes have throughout the last 25 years proven in absolute divisions all over the world that we can beat bigger people. And it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I did really well with that, and that got me a lot of attention. And um, I'm very thankful for it. Yeah, well, I mean, you definitely represented what the potential of jiu-jitsu. Yeah, thank you. So, self-defense, competition jiu-jitsu. What are your thoughts? You, you had a conversation with Henry Gracie the other day. I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts when it comes to Differences overlap. Uh, yeah. Do we need self-defense jujitsu? Is competition jujitsu too intricate, too sophisticated? I mean, what's your talk? I don't know. It's just there's so many truths that exist at the same time, and like, what is the goal? What do these words actually mean? Mm -hmm. What are the definitions? There's no true definitions, like in a dictionary, for a lot of this stuff. So everybody can have like very vague views of what means what. And it gets all convoluted and muddy watered and we don't even know what the fuck we're talking about at the end of the day. Half the time these conversations end up going in circles. It's, it's so true. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I will say there's tough people out there that can wreck you and me as mm -hmm. dope ass black belts, right? That haven't done a day of jujitsu, that haven't done a day of boxing, that haven't done a day of judo, that haven't done a day of any martial arts. And they can come up to me and fuck me up. And I'm willing to admit that. You know what I'm saying? Like, is there a chance I can beat that person? Of course, of course, but it's not fucking guaranteed. There's nothing you can do that's gonna guarantee you as a martial artist that some random person who does jiu-jitsu will fuck you up. It can happen and it does happen. So don't think like whatever you're learning is end all be all, you're good, I'm good. I'm gonna fuck up everybody. I'm terrified of dudes bigger than me if they know jiu-jitsu or not. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. so, so what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say, you don't need to learn Gracie's self-defense moves to become a dangerous person. Mm -hmm. Do I think it's gonna hurt you? Mm, 
not necessarily. Do I think like live rolling is better? Of course. Of course, people who, are, who live roll every day, all day, like, you know, five days a week, they're going to be quick, high-tuned, fast reflexes. Um, and the idea that, like, that, like, sports jujitsu guys aren't going to uh, be able to defend themselves from a punch in a street fight is absolute, what's the word, malarkey? Malarkey. Malarkey. It's absolute malarkey, okay? Jujitsu people who only do jiu-jitsu and pull guard and shit, you're gonna throw a punch at that dude in the street and you know what's gonna happen? He's gonna go... And he's gonna clinch you, he's gonna take you down, and then he's gonna roll in the whole plot to you, and then he's gonna barrel bolo you, and then he's gonna fucking knee bar you, all right? Don't think that, that jiu-jitsu guys who don't do racing self-defense and don't practice striking stuff aren't gonna just naturally know how to throw a goddamn punch. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna take a dude down, like, how much training does it take for me to realize, like, oh, did you have to teach me that? Really? I need to get some, like, certified teacher to show me that, like, striking, okay, it's different from jiu-jitsu. So, you know, everybody's dangerous. Gracie self-defense will always have value. Those guys will always be valuable and very important. Henry and Hiron are the shit. They represent jiu-jitsu in a beautiful way. Are they the end-all, be-all? Of course not. Is, is tournament jiu-jitsu the end-all, be-all? Of course not. You know? Like, like I said, too, man. I've been in a lot of street fights, and nothing's done better for me in street fights than a fake double leg and a left hook, dude. I've, I've, I've hurt so many people with that and not even had to do jujitsu. So, that's all I can say. Well, I think it's an important subject uh, for people to talk about, for people to imagine. You know, I've done a lot of Japanese jujitsu in the past, and a lot of those... <clears throat> movement possibilities from Japanese jiu-jitsu against weapons, against strikes. It's good to have options, but I feel like the basic like self-defense moves are very similar to that kind of classical jiu-jitsu. If they do this, you do that. And it's good, sometimes it's good to have that one-step sparring or, the, or those things, but dynamic, intuitive movement I mean, there's nothing quite like having a, a resisting partner with significant attributes. Yeah. Someone who's tough. Yeah. Uh, and, and, then you, and then you really realize what you can rely on, what works for you that you can have confidence in. Uh, that's part of the brilliance of the, the training method of BJJ. It's like you, you develop real confidence because you lose enough to really earn that victory. Yeah. No, it's, it's, dude, let's change the subject. <laughs> uh, so you were born in Santa Barbara in Galita? I was born in East LA, in Echo Park. I was born, well, it's kind of like Hollywood area, but I was born in Echo Park, and I grew up in a city called Montebello, which is like Southeast LA. And I moved to Santa Barbara when I was like 13. I met Frangio when I was like 16 or 17 in Santa Barbara. So LA, born, Santa Barbara is where I found Jason. Mm. And growing up on the California coast, it's one of the most beautiful spots in the world, incredible weather. Yeah. And it gave you access to not only, uh, I would say one of the, like for that block of California, Frangia was definitely a pioneer. Uh, Paragon was a, is and was a really strong force in the, I would say nationally at, the, at, 
than in than within California. Mm -hmm. And it gave you access to the tournaments. Lots of tournaments. I remember, you know, Frenchio would roll up to the US Open. All of them. All Anything in California we did. Yeah. And how did you feel like when you were rolling with him and going to the um, our friend Dr. Luke Pomerantz, he he really appreciated how how relaxed you were before tournaments, you know, while, while other people struggle with the mental game. You, well, you got a, an ease. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's fun for me. I, I have more fun, I think, than every, everybody else. And uh, I definitely take it serious enough to where I'm trying to beat people. Mm -hmm. But I, 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 really, I, I don't know, dude, I don't like stress out before the match so much that it ruins me during the match. I'm smiling and I'm high-fiving people and I'm growing up with people. I'm not sitting in the bullpen like fucking, I'm not pacing, right? I'm not looking at anybody. Hungry street dog. Like, I, I never would do that and I think that would exhaust some people. So, yeah, you know, you would never see me do that. I was always chill. Um, yeah. I'm not saying that, like, the mad dog dudes don't win tournaments too. Of course they do. Um, that's just, there's different ways to skin a cat, you know? There's so many different ways you can be at a tournament that can be successful. You'll see, like, at Abu Dhabi, there were some dudes in the, uh, and I did this too, my ears doing it, but um, some dudes sleep. Mm -hmm. They go to the warm-up room, there's like a warm-up area before the tournament, before the, like, you know, pro Abu Dhabi tournament, world tournament's about to go down. Some dudes are, like, practicing shots, some dudes are rolling with their bodies, and other motherfuckers are sleeping with a thing over their eyes. With headphones in, that guy won. But so did the guy that was like bouncing around and then rolling with his homies. So it's like, well, which one's superior? Should you be chill before a tournament or should you get amped up before the tournament? Hard to say, dog. Figure that out for yourself because you know what? Both those strategies work. I've seen guys do both of those and make them work. That's what I'm saying. This shit's confusing because two truths exist at the same time. And people try to be like, my truth is more real than yours. And it's like, well, it's proven not to be more real. They've both proven to have value at the same time. So have mm. fun, have fun with that. Jiu-Jitsu is great for showing you that there are multiple ways to solve a problem yeah. or, or to achieve yeah. your objective. Um, and a lot of people want some kind of certain definitive answer that they can kind of you know, like hang their faith on. But it's not really like that. Yeah. It can be. That's what I'm saying. It's just confusing, dude. Okay? I'll tell you one day. Dude, coaches contradict themselves all the time and students hate it. And as a coach, I'm like, dude, I'm so used to contradicting myself constantly that it doesn't even bother me anymore. I'm well aware yeah. that I contradict myself constantly, but guess what? I don't care. <laughs> you know, I know that. I know today I'm going to tell you, like, dude, underhooks are king. And then tomorrow I'm going to be like, dude, overhooks are king. And the students are like, like, yesterday. I'm like, I know, I'm confusing you. I know. That's life, dog. Deal with it. Yeah, right? depends on the situation. Uh, and there are a lot of situations. A lot of situations. That's just great. But yeah, you were talking about California and how the tournaments, there's the, the John Jacques tournaments and the Joe Marrero tournaments and Clever Luciano had tournaments mm -hmm. and um, Claudio Franca had the tournaments up in uh, Santa Cruz and then there was uh, San Francisco. Like, dude, I, I, I learned about California because of jiu-jitsu tournaments. I traveled all across the state because of jiu-jitsu tournaments. So, 
and I gained so much experience and, and, and you know, all the biggest, most important guys in jiu-jitsu at the time were in California. It wasn't like it is now where it's like New York and Austin and all these places. It was, it was either Rio de Janeiro or Southern California, dog. And I was up in Southern California, right in the prime, right in the hub where everything was happening and going down, you know, between that window of like 1999 and like 2006 is when I was getting shit done in my career and doing my black belt. California was a great place to have uh, jujitsu fun. That's for sure. You're right. Yeah. yeah and now you're retired. I uh, retired from competition um, in... 39, so I was like 36 when I did that, yeah. And talk about that. There are many athletes that don't retire at the right time. There are some people that they love the sport. I've, I mean, I've heard about boxers that love boxing so much when they retire, they can't watch boxing. Because they, a part of them longs to be out there. They sure. want to, you know, um, they just love it. They love it too much, almost. Um, talk about your relationship with jiu-jitsu now that you've retired. You... Yeah, well, I just, um, I forget who said it to me, but it got in my head. It was like, respect the work that young Jeff did. I forget who it was. It was like, dude, when you were 20, Jeff, you used to work your ass off, dog. I used to watch you, bro. You would show up to the gym an hour before everybody. Train, roll, try to tap everybody as hard as you could, as many times as you could. Push yourself, you wouldn't even drink water, dog. I used to watch you all dry mouth, like ready to roll, I didn't give a fuck. Stay after class, go to every fucking tournament, do all these private classes, assist Fringia with every fucking thing. You worked your ass off, bro. And you used to win a lot of fucking tournaments and you made a dope name for yourself. Don't let 40 year old Jeff and his midlife crisis of still needing fucking attention destroy all the work that young Jeff did. Young Jeff built you a beautiful reputation, a beautiful name for yourself, and gave you a beautiful career. Don't let old Jeff now, who's a completely different person, destroy that. So to me, that meant, you know what? Retire on top, like Jerry Springer did, or Jerry Seinfeld, Jerry Springer. <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld, you know? He yeah. and they were like, you should do more episodes. And I was like, dude, I'm good here. What I've done is good, you know? Because that all happened. People get older and people only remember your last fights. They don't remember what you did earlier. If you just have the last three years of losing matches over and over again, people aren't going to like, you'll lose your value straight up. I'm protecting my value. I'm protecting what young Jeff did by, you know, spending the, the next half of my life um, focusing on teaching, content creation, you know, websites, sharing jujitsu, inspiring people with jujitsu, you know, not getting hurt, <laughs> you know. Um, not getting hurt. I had enough, you know, I had enough. It was fun. Competing was fun. I will always cherish those days as the most, you know, when I'm nine years old and shitting in my pants like everyone else, you know, what will you be thinking about, you know, if you could be like, oh, if I had a time machine, I'd go back. I would always choose to go back to my competitive days and being, in, you know, tournaments with all the boys and, you know, it was valuable and I respect it, but I've moved on. It's, that was a good call and, um, yeah, respectful of the past. I, it kind of breaks my heart when I see UFC fighters in particular 
you know, that's a hard... To lose a, a jiu-jitsu tournament and get, get worked is already traumatic enough. I hope they get paid a lot, dude. I hope those guys took $100,000 for those losses they get like that. To lose like that, you know? Yeah. It's traumatic. Losing a match is traumatic. Like, a big match where you're like... You lose and you look out in the audience and people are so happy you lost. <laughs> you know? Fuck all these people. You know, my best shit hurts your feelings and it'll ride with you the rest of your life. Like, as a professional fighter, grappler, your losses, dude, those, those, those stick with you, man. They're trauma that stays with you the rest of your life. And um, you want to avoid them as much as possible. You know? Obviously, you're supposed to have lessons and learn from them, but don't get so many losses that you just that's all you remember in your career is like taking losses because other people remember that and like i said you lose value bro <laughs> mm -hmm. you know you lose value in the community people will be like eh, he wasn't as good and it's like someone like me i don't want people saying that i want the world after i i want after i die people being like he was dope at jiu-jitsu yeah but the last five years he lost every fucking match it's like man, nobody's gonna say that about me though right <laughs> So, money on the mat. Let's talk about the tournament itself and your idea behind the tournament. Then let's talk about the, the, the project that we did. Well, the tournament... Uh, how did it start? When COVID happened, gym closed. Uh, all the students canceled their memberships. So I had this big empty gym with no students in it. And I was like, well, shit, how can you use this space? So it just jumped in my head. Well, you do a little tournament, dog. Get 16, make one 16-man bracket have all these dudes put 300 bucks, each guy, and then the winner takes home the prize. I wouldn't be down for that, you know? Uh, that's something I would have done when I was coming up if, if some promoter offered that to me. I would have jumped right on it. I would have had my sponsor give me, be like, give me 300 bucks, oh, I'm putting it in on this thing. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. um, so that's what happened overnight. I put that out on Instagram, and overnight I had like 30 dudes hitting me up. They're all like, I got that 300 bucks, man. You'd love to do that, blah, blah, Where's the address? How do we do it, blah, blah, My coach is ready. And I was like, oh, shit, oh, shit, this is real, all right. Like I typed out a computer, I was on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, everyone showed up. You know, the sheriff called me. It was a funny story. The sheriff was like, hey, bro. Like my phone rang and it was like, Santa Barbara County Sheriff. I'm like, oh, shit. Hello? <laughs> and they were like, um, are you trying to, do you have like 16 dudes all in your, like going into a building? Because this was a time when like it was COVID and you couldn't let people into buildings or some shit. I forget what the hell it was. Pandemic times, it was weird. crazy now, but like, he was like, you can't have all these people in your building at the same time. And I was like, dude, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. Please don't ruin this for me. I had all these dudes come from like LA. Some of these dudes came from fucking Las Vegas. Like, and the cop was like a friend of mine from when I was a kid. And he was like, all right, don't And I was like, dude, I want to just all right, baby. So the tournament went down, it was great, I live-streamed it, uh, I created the rules, which was basically a variation of uh, old, old uh, Gracie, basic Gracie University rules uh, with a, a uh, 10 point um, goal. If you reach 10 points, the match is stopped and it's counted as a submission. Um, so there was like three ways to win. You submit the guy, you have the most points at regulation, or you get 10 points. If you got to 10 points, again, I counted that as a submission. 
So that was the rules, and I liked the rules because um, at the time everyone was doing sub only, sub only, sub only, and there was no more value for takedowns, guard passes, mounting, positional stuff. Um, was just you would rack up all these positions on somebody, and at the end of the match it would be like zero zero. Uh, it's a draw, and it was like, dude, it was a draw. What do you mean it was a draw? I mounted that dude four times. I'm like, yeah, but you didn't tap him. Oh my god, dude. All right. So I wanted to do something about this. So I did those rules, and I brought back value to the positions. And uh, if you pull one of the things in the in the rules is if you pull guard, your opponent is awarded one point. Mm. So your guard has to be valuable. Your guard has to be active. Your guard has to be dangerous. You need to sweep, submit, or stand back up and, and get a takedown. You know, otherwise you don't get to just pull guard, go for a couple submissions and it's a draw. No, if you pull guard, that guy's given a point. And if it goes to time, that guy wins by one point. It's your fault for pulling guard. Because I think people kind of abuse the guard pool. Um, so, so yeah, we did that. And then, you know, I ended up running, um, as you know, I did like 11. We did that tournament like 11 times over the course of like two years. And, um... Yeah, it was just fun. It was a lot of work. It was yeah. a lot of work. I actually ultimately fucking damaged my back. The last tournament was was after I was lifting the mats. There was a whole mat transfer thing that had to go down. I was lifting the mats into my van and I felt the breath. And it was like, that was it. The next three days I was crawling around my house and I had to make the call to the doctor and get the emergency surgery done. And yeah, I could talk about that all day. What else are you going to say about it, though? Oh, uh, maybe since we're on the subject of your back surgery, let's let's talk about that. Yeah. A lot of jiu-jitsu guys get surgeries, shoulder, knee, torn labrum, whatever. You had, and I'm not even sure what what you had. It was a lower back injury, and and they fixed it. Just talk about like the the rehab process, your feelings going into the surgery. Yeah. Well, um, first of all, after you know the doctor is a jujitsu friend of Paragon, Alan Mulligan, and he has a the spine orthopedic center there in Santa Barbara. So if anybody's watching this and you have, you know, chronic pain. I would highly suggest you contact the good people at the Spine and Orthopedic Center. Um, they have like three locations. Uh, the, the guy who owns the place is, is one of us. He's a jiu-jitsu guy just like us. And, um, you know, the staff is just amazing. I was treated with love and respect. And uh, I had microdiscopomy. So I had a ruptured disc down, down in the lower part of my spine and it was causing nerve pain in my right leg. All the way in, here, 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 the whole thing was just like, ah. And I couldn't have conversations with anybody and pain pills weren't working anymore. And I was eating so many fucking pain pills and uh, putting it off, putting it off, you know, called the doctor finally. He's like, go get the MRI, send me the MRI. And then I did that. And then after I sent him the MRI, he was like, all right, dude, I'm going to be here tomorrow at 6 a.m. for the surgery. I already know exactly what you need to do. It's what I thought from what you were describing, but the MRI backed up what I thought. So now we know exactly what to do. Be here at 6 a.m. 
And uh, as soon as that surgery happened, I woke up from the anesthesia and all of that nerve pain in the leg is fucking gone and I haven't felt it to this day. That was back in April and right now it's September, late September. So yeah, it was uh, something that needed to be done. You know, um, it was affecting my work. I was canceling seminars. I, I couldn't drive. I couldn't sit. I couldn't sit in my car. I was sitting in my car all weird, always trying to drive. I was like, you know, I was miserable. Something's got to change. Something's got to change. I was grumpy. I was sleeping all day. You know, it's just, uh, it had to happen. And um, I'm just happy it went well. Yeah, so am I. Yeah. Um, that is. Surgeries are a big deal. You lose control. Uh, it's, you know, I've had a surgery before and it, it, it was, there was apprehension. I was definitely nervous and going into it. And, and the recovery is, I mean, although people go into surgeries a lot these days, it's still getting assaulted with a knife in a very, in a very uh, specific way. But, you know, there's, there's a lot. How long was that recovery, uh, would, you, would you say, until you felt like you weren't really After thinking? Three months. Three months. After three months, I was able to, like, grab people and do moves again. Um, yeah, you know, the first two weeks I had to be like helped out of bed and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's definitely the most crippled I've ever been in my life and the most vulnerable, vulnerable I've ever been. And, um, <clears throat> I still don't feel 100% healed. Occasionally I get little tingles in that right leg. Um, but they're tingles. They don't hurt the way they used to. They used to tingle and fucking hurt. Now I just like occasionally will like tingle, but there's zero pain. Um, but it's still like sensitive to I touch it, mm -hmm. the area where the, where the cut is. Yeah. And it kind of like, it's hard to explain, dude. It's like, you ever chew on tin foil? You have like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like that, that kind of happens when I like tap on that shit, mm -hmm. you know? And the doctor was like, it'll take a year before, like, you don't even remember you touch it and it doesn't anything feel as he's like, give it a year and we're still less than a year. So, but I'm back, I'm doing so much, dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm traveling again, I've done camps, I've done seminars, I've filmed like three videos with fanatics since the surgery. So it's been 100% success. That's great. People loved your seminar. It was, it was great, it was entertaining, it was engaging. It's uh, a little, you gave some like hard truths for, for people that, you know, may not want to hear it, that, that drilling. Um, your movement, you have really beautiful movement. Like, I've always respected that you never took like the strength route, you always took like the, the movement and momentum route. Um, and your ball work is, it, it, it just unlocked, I mean, I've seen it before, but then it, I don't know, something unlocked for me. Like, I, I need to be doing that. Talk about the stability ball. Yeah, it's, it's you know, um... Like I was saying earlier, uh, there's shadow work, shadow boxing, bang work, pad work, and then rolling, you know, and fighting. And then in jiu-jitsu, it's like shadow wrestling, you know, practice your arm drags, practice your looks, practice your guillotines, practice your kimura, practice your arm bars, practice your triangles, you know, practice your sit-outs, change the check distance, change level, shoot, sprawl, like you should be doing that shit all day. You know, and then, okay, what's bag work? Well, you can get on a bag and like, knee belly, knee belly, mound, break hips, break hips, you can do all that stuff, right? But a, a really good version of bag work is the stability ball. 
You know, it, it, it's a bag that's constantly off-balancing you, okay? It never gets tired, it, you know what I'm saying? Um, you can bounce it, you can jump on them, you can emulate um, literally jujitsu moves and guard passing movements, the, uh, the lay on your back and catch it with your feet mm. idea. There's a lot of value in that that relates over into like guard work. And um, I just would do so much of it having fun when, when I was younger, not realizing that it was creating these unstoppable type, um, just extremely confident, super well-memorized movements. Yeah. That were just unfuckwithable. And mm -hmm. when I would bust these movements, it would be so fast and just so, so quickly to respond to them. And people would be like, how do you do, why do you move like that? I'm like, this ball, dude, I'm telling you. I move on that ball, I move on people like they're a fucking stability ball. Yeah. You know? And, um, you know, combining a, a, a good flow style with a pressure style and being able to bounce between those two is how you want to pass guard man. So yeah, everybody should get a stability ball, start balancing on it. I actually have a video with BJJ Fanatics called Glover's Balls where I walk you through exactly what you need to do and how to uh, develop these skills starting with a smaller size ball, working up to a medium, and then the moves you can do with a big ball, the things you need to look out for, ways you can get hurt, how to avoid those. That's all explained in that video. Um, and yeah, like Roy said, you know, it, it, it makes me move in a way that's very hard to hold on to. And very symmetrical too. Okay. I, I noticed your left and right sides both really good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of people struggle with that. That's true. The ball will, will force you to be a little bit more ambidextrous. That's absolutely true. Well said. Yeah. Uh, and, and movement, you know, movement, uh, a lot of times beginners feel like you do something to the other person, like, oh, I'm going to take that person's arm and move it. Mm -hmm. But it's so often it's a, how if you can position yourself properly that stuff is really easy yeah that's a good point um so people looking for the shortcut that's a good way to start that's a good shortcut yeah it's a good shortcut it's going to take work you're going to get exhausted you're going to have to do it until you can't breathe anymore and you're dripping sweat and uh yeah it'll, it'll pay off get you a stability wall good um What's next for you? What's what's the future hold? What does twenty twenty three look like? I mean, you're in a different you're in a different place. You're traveling all over the country, doing doing seminars, and uh, yeah, it's the dream. That is the dream. That is it. Continuing doing that. You know, this is when when somebody asked me when I was like, you know, that same question when I was twenty two, like, what are you gonna do? What's what's next for you? You know, right now I'm doing that. I always wanted to just tour the world, share jujitsu, get paid to do it, eat delicious food, you know, um, sample um, cannabis as in every place that I go, um, get tattoos. I get badass tattoos from badass tattoo artists. You want to show? You want to show that? Yeah, I just I just did this one. I just did this one today or last night, but. I get new tattoos. It says violent history. Just cool, cool stuff. Violent history. Yeah. And 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 talk about how you're. I mean, it's that's an American mural. 
on your body. Yeah, it's cowboys and Indians, you know, and uh, it's just, I'm American, and uh, we have a very special history, just like every country does. And, uh, you know, my family is intertwined with Native Americans and, and, of course, you know, Europeans. My family is a combination of that. So it's, it's a few things, you know, it's a, it's a few things. The, the guy on my back is uh, a story about him is he was an Indian wrestler. And, uh, yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm living the dream, right? I'm doing what, everything I want. I host camps. I, I work with high rollers in Las Vegas and do stuff with them, projects with them. I do my little tournaments. I do content creation for BJJ Fanatics. I'm working with you, helping me set up all kinds of the Bernardo Faria thigh touch. Um, you know, you're helping me uh, with websites and, and becoming more digitally capable of creating money rather than always like having to go places to make money. And I'm very thankful to you for that because you're, you're amazing at everything you do with camera work and stuff. And just like, man, everything you do is great, bro. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working with you now and just, I'm trying to involve myself with more productive, successful people and not hang out with like losers. Um, I'm trying to up my social circle to winners. That's it. Cross the board. You know what I'm saying? Cross the board, dude. I'm trying to upgrade everything in my life. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm really happy. I'm going to keep doing seminars. And, uh, I don't know. I guess I guess the question that, that comes next is like, am I going to open a jiu-jitsu school and an association? And I don't think so. People ask me a lot. Yeah. And I definitely have inquiries. Mm. But... It doesn't seem to be something I want. I think that's important to honor. You know, jujitsu, like, okay, you're a world renowned jujitsu expert. And the obvious path is open a school, have an association. But jujitsu is all about the non obvious path. You know, there are many ways to success, many paths. And uh, I think if, if you don't feel that spark to go in that direction, honor that yeah. because there's plenty of other places to, to put that energy yeah yeah you know i'm fortunate enough that that my inbox is filled with people asking me uh, to come teach seminars at their school so it's a good way to make money it's good fast money you know and it pays all my bills and uh, i'm just i'm just so happy and fortunate and uh, thankful for everything jiu-jitsu has given to me and i hope i'm giving back to jiu-jitsu as much as it's giving to me, or at least a little bit, man, you know. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Um, anyone want to thank? Uh, I always take the opportunity to thank my jiu-jitsu coach, first and foremost, Ricardo Frangie Miller, the man who gave me jiu-jitsu, introduced me to jiu-jitsu, uh, took me under his wing, treated me like family, treated me like son, to this day calls me and checks up on me, and uh, visits me, um, and... Uh, yeah, I want to thank all the sponsors, you know, I, I got sponsors to thank and friends and family, you know, nobody does, nobody becomes this without, you know, a large support group. And I've had so much support from so many fucking people. And um, if you think I deserve you a thank you, then you're right, I do deserve you a thank you. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, incredible, creative. Uh, dynamic jujitsu, 
really timeless. You're an innovator, brother. Great biceps. Jeff Glover, ladies and gentlemen.